Once it was determined that Jesus would die, once it was determined that he would die on the cross, he was tortured at the hands of the Roman soldiers. Then they forced him to carry his own cross through the city streets and ultimately to the place that he would eventually be crucified. And the entire weight of Jesus' body was supported by his outstretched arms. As a result, Jesus had severe difficulty breathing because of the hyperexpansion of his lungs. And so in order to breathe, Jesus would have to draw himself up by his arms, pushing himself up by his feet, which were also nailed to the cross. And it was there that Jesus spent three grueling hours So we then have this moment on the cross described in both Matthew 27 and Mark 15. In Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And then in Mark 15, 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. So what was it? What was it that Jesus cried out? Well, we see the content of this cry. We see the words that Jesus cried out in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. So let's read those together. Starting with verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And then in verse 29, A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And then in verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is finished finished. What is the significance of this phrase? Why, why is it important that we were, are to understand and know these three words, the last three words that Jesus had spoken here on this earth? So what we're going to do is we're going to break down these three words, and we're going to look at specifically the meaning and the important significance of this phrase, it is finished. But before we look at the individual words, it is finished, we need to look at that phrase kind of um, in its meaning, in its totality. So it is finished, translated, so the, Old, or the New Testament, the Old Testament uh, was written in, in ancient Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And so when we start looking at what you know, people were saying and what words mean, sometimes it's important to go back to the ancient Greek, Koine Greek, and understand a little bit more as to the exact meaning. And so when we look at the phrase, it is finished, and we translate it into that original Greek, that word, that word is tetelestai, tetelestai. Now, tetelestai comes from the Greek verb teleo. Now, teleo means, and this, you know, if we think of the word finish, it kind of makes sense that this would be the meaning, but that word means to bring to an end, to complete, 
to, to accomplish. That makes sense. But there's so much more to this phrase, it is finished, than just that. When we start looking at the, the, the word that teleo then comes from, tetelestai, we then see something completely different. So let's look at it word for word. The first word. The first word is it. All right? It. Now, what is the it that Jesus is referring to? What is it that is now finished? Now, early on in Jesus' ministry, he gets it right out, what it is that he kind of set out to do, right? I mean, he doesn't waste any time. Now, some of us have heard the story of the woman at the well. Now, early on in Jesus' ministry, we're not going to go into like the significance of that encounter, but he meets this Samaritan woman at a well, and he's thirsty, and the woman gives him something to drink, right? But in that encounter, Jesus says these words. He says, my food is to do the will of him, of God, who sent me, and to finish God's work. So my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish God's work. So what is it that Jesus then came to do? What's the work that Jesus came to do? And what was the will of God that was then finished on the cross? Well, as we begin to unpack this and understand it a little bit more, let's look at some of these mission statements, all right? Now, maybe some of you have a mission statement for your life. And if we were to consider a mission statement for Jesus' life, maybe these are some that we would consider. John chapter 1, verse 29 says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then 1 Timothy 1, 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So what was the will of God and what was the work that Jesus came to, to do? It was to seek and to save the lost. That's the it. And in understanding the it, it's also important to take note of the fact that Jesus didn't say, I am finished. That's something I would have said, right? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. If he had said, I am finished, he would have been indicating his defeat. But Jesus wasn't defeated. He was the victor. Rather, he said, it is finished. Indicating successful completion of the work that he came to do. So it being seeking and saving the lost, that is now finished. But it doesn't stop there. Now we get to look at the second word, which is... <laughs> Good job. Is. What a trite word, right? I mean, it's just like a simple word, a throwaway word. It's frustrating because if you were to type this in the Webster's Dictionary, it doesn't give you a definition. Poor is doesn't even have a definition. It just is. 
So what is the significance of this word is? Why is the word is so important? So as I mentioned earlier, it is finished. It comes from the Greek verb teleo, teleo. But specifically, the phrase, it is finished, translated, like I said, into that ancient Koine Greek, is tetelestai. But in looking at that word tetelestai, we have to see or understand or notice that that word is in the perfect tense. Now, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds here, so I'll explain a little bit of what I'm talking about. So, tetelestai is in the perfect tense, and why is that important? It's important because the perfect tense in ancient Greek, in Koine Greek, refers to an action that has been not only completed in the past, but it refers to that result as continuing to be completed in the present. So that's quite different than the past tense. Because the past tense, you would say, that thing happened, or this thing happened. That's in the past. But rather, the perfect tense goes much further than that. So it not only says, that thing happened, but it also says, and it's continuing to happen today. The past tense would say, that thing happened, this thing happened. The perfect tense says, yes, that happened, and it continues today. So when Jesus said, it is finished, to tell us die, he was basically saying it was finished in the past, it is still finished in the present, and it will remain finished for all time. That it is all, all going, never ending. So the it being to seek and save the lost. The work that I came to do is now finished. And it was not, it's not only finished in the past, not only finished in the present, but it's finished for all time. So now what's this word finished? How is it that we can understand and wrap our brains and our hearts around this word finished? As Jesus says this phrase, to tell us die. What is the finish that Jesus was referring to? When I ran my first marathon, it was 2016, and I, you know, I did all the training that you know, you're supposed to do, and I got to about mile 22. Has anybody ran a marathon here? Okay, so you know a little bit of my pain. So I got to mile 22, but I, you know, when you're running in the Twin Cities here, a lot of it is flat. I mean, there might be some hills, but I ran this first marathon in San Diego, and the last four miles were all uphill. And I remember thinking, what in the world am I doing, right? And it was my birthday, and I was thinking, this is the worst birthday present I have ever gotten in my life. But when I've got to the end, no matter how long it took, I didn't get to the end and think I survived. I got to the end and I, I, this is exactly what I set out to do and I did it. It'd be like if you climbed up to the top of Mount Everest 
Or, or maybe you just turned in your 200-page dissertation. Or maybe you finally paid off your car, your new car, or your house that you've been paying off for years and years. The word finished here, when Jesus says it is finished, to telestai, it doesn't mean that Jesus simply survived. And it wouldn't mean that you simply survived. Rather, it means exactly that you set out to do and you did it. That you did exactly what you set out to do. It's interesting that over the past 200 years, scholars have uncovered and, and uh, uh, found uh, thousands of scraps of papyrus manuscript. And the language that's written on these scraps of paper is that ancient Greek. And it's interesting, too, that many of these scraps that they found have been receipts. So, so know this, that 2,000 years from now, someone's going to find your Target receipt from when you purchased underwear, and they're going to put that in the museum. It'll happen. All of these, these, these manuscripts or these, these pieces of paper, these scraps, so many of them were these receipts, and they found that this word, tetelestai, it is finished, kept popping up over and over again on these receipts. And so what was discovered in this word, tetelestai, or it is finished, being on on these receipts, is that that word on the receipt was meant to indicate that the bill had been paid in full. That there was no more obligation. That there was no more debt. That it had been completed. That it is finished. So that's exactly what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus wasn't defeated. Because those who are defeated, they go out with a whimper. But as we saw in those initial verses, he yelled this out. It is finished to tell us die. This has been paid in full. There is no more debt. In the past, in the present, and in the future, it is done. It is done. It is finished. Jesus' victory echoed on that small hilltop where his cross stood, and it continues to echo in the hearts of those who decide to find and to follow Jesus Christ. And as we've been going through this process, this journey of from the cradle to the cross, my hope through this whole series has been to kind of divert our eyes from this cute little baby, right, that we tend to focus on at Christmas time, but to begin to understand the reason why he came. You know, we first looked at, the first week of this series, we looked at, we looked at, the, uh, at the cradle, at the manger, and we compared it to a Christmas tree. How with a Christmas tree, we look at the lights and the ornaments and the star and we consider how beautiful that is. But we fail to remember many times that without the Christmas tree stand, none of that stuff would matter, right? Because it would fall over. Such is the case with the birth of Jesus. 
Because that little baby that was lying in a manger, that wasn't just a baby. That was God. God in the flesh. God incarnate. And then as we looked further, we considered the ministry of Jesus. How it is that he put a stake in the ground and he said, this is why I came. I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to provide hope when there was none. I came to provide peace when there was none. And how it is that because of his life and his ministry, he provided a means and a way for us to have a relationship with Jesus. And as such, we began then last week to look at the trial. As Jesus stood before Pilate and the Roman officials and the Jewish crowd, we begin seeing how that cross that was constructed, that wasn't Jesus' cross. That was Barabbas's. And in a moment, Barabbas, who was once in chains, was released. And those chains were then put on the wrists of Jesus as he was then led to the cross to suffer a a punishment and a death that we deserved. And then today, we conclude this journey as we understand that Christmas, it's not about a baby boy. There have been a lot of babies that have been born over the years. It's about God knowing that the only way for us to have a right relationship with Him was to turn that cradle into a cross. So this Christmas, what we need to do is make a decision. And instead of us just feeling all warm and fuzzy about a cute little baby boy in a manger, instead we're going to identify with Jesus in the cross that that's going to be the embodiment of who we are this Christmas season. It's a celebration of what Jesus did because there was no other way. The cradle became a cross. So I'm going to ask Pastor Don to come up here and I'm going to give him this rag because what I'm going to invite everybody to do here is as you feel led, if you want to make the determination this year to identify, instead of identifying with a baby boy in a manger, to say, no, I'm going to identify this Christmas season with the cross, the reason why Jesus came. I'm going to ask you to come up to me. I have this bowl here. You're going to take your thumb. You're going to dip it in this red paint. You're going to choose one of the three places in which Jesus was nailed to the cross. And you're going to say to yourself, this Christmas season, I'm going to identify with Jesus 
and his sacrifice and the life that I have because he chose to die. And you're going to place that thumbprint on the cross. And then you'll go over here to Pastor Don. He'll wipe off your thumb. And then today you'll have this reminder of your decision today to identify with the cross and to make Christmas about this because that's where our hope lies. So as the band leads us in this song, I'm going to ask you to stand. And again, as you feel led, just walk up to me, dip your thumb in, and put it on one of those three spots. Praise God. But look at this. You know, this is, a, this is from first service. Celebration of our identity in Jesus. How because of his great sacrifice and his love for us, we know hope. We know life. And just as Jesus proclaimed on the cross, it is finished to tell us die. We know that that hope, that that life, that that joy, it's not just in the past. It's not just in the present. But it's for all time. It never ends. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to remind you at Christmas Eve, 5 p.m., we have our candlelight service, our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's going to be a wonderful time. We'd certainly love for you to be here for that. Otherwise, Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. God bless you.